Hello and welcome to Cubicles in Christ. Kelly Johnson, certified leadership coach and founder of Be Well My Soul, is on a mission to encourage and inspire you to be spiritually authentic and thrive in life. Let's join the conversation with Kelly now. Today we're going to talk about the curvy path that it sometimes takes to learn how to integrate our faith and our spirituality into our careers. I'm so excited that today I have joining me Alicia Kiermeyer. She is an engineer, an educator, and an entrepreneur. She's very active in the Society of Women Engineers, and she's also a graduate of Louisiana Tech. Alicia started a grant management consulting company a few years ago, and she's currently working on building it. She also has a background in education and plans to pursue that even further in the near future. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much, Kelly, for having me. I look forward to this time together. Awesome. I'm excited as well. And I think, so one of the things that you talked about is that sometimes it's a curvy path in our journey to really walk in our faith, uh, live by faith. And I think what's interesting as an example to that is how you and I met a few years ago. Will you tell everybody about that? Yeah, sure. Um, So you mentioned that I'm involved in uh, the Society of Women Engineers. Um, So that's something that I really enjoy being involved in, just meeting different women from different walks of life um, that who share similar careers. And we had a leadership, I guess, conference, you would call it, where the leaders of this region where we live all came together. Um, Once a year, we do that just to kind of set the goals for the year and train some of the new up-and-coming leaders. And you were our speaker for that conference, our keynote speaker. So I remember just learning a lot from you, um, appreciating where you're coming from and your heart. You shared a vision board activity with us that was really neat. And so Um, And then I guess since then, we've kept in touch through some emailing. And when this conversation of spirituality and work came to the table, I was really excited that that was something that you were looking into and excited about because that's something that's been on my heart uh, for a long time. So I'm excited to talk more about that today. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it's, it's kind of fun to sit back and hear you share your perception about how we met too. I mean, obviously I see it the same way, but I've actually never heard it from your personal lens. And it just is another example to me of being in awe of of God. You know, I mean, there were close to a couple of hundred women, I think, at that conference, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for us to connect and, you know, really be able to find another woman of faith in such a large crowd and for God to just sort of almost through breadcrumbs, connect us further. And so I just love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sure. And I'm so thankful to you for just being so willing to connect and stay connected and to just learn, you know, how much we share our faith together. Speaking of faith, uh, I think it would be kind of interesting just to hear about your personal journey from a salvation experience. Can you share with us, how did you come to know the Lord? Yeah, sure. So I grew up, I guess, a straight A student. So I would, you know, get great grades. I didn't get in trouble very much. And all in all, was a pretty happy child. Then when I was about, I think, six, my parents got divorced. And that really, really rocked my world because I've, you know, up to that point, I had seen in my life that if you're good, you'll be happy. And in this case, like I had been as good as I could be. 
And yet this really hard thing as a child was happening in my family and in my life. And it just kind of broke what I knew to be, you know, my foundation of life. And so during kind of around that same time, I ended up going to a church Easter play. And after the play was over, the minister came up onto the stage and just explained that as human beings, we are sinners, all of us. And none of us is good enough in our own strength and our own being to be close to God and to be happy. And so he explained how Jesus came and died because of that. And so that if we could engage in a relationship with Jesus, confess our sins and become a Christian, that it was now his goodness that took over. And so I was definitely into that. And um, so that was the day I became a Christian. I was about eight years old. And since then, God has walked with me through some other you know, hard things as an adult, um, just continue to help me to grow and as we'll get into and talk about, I think, later in our conversation, some of those times are confusing. And I just thank God for His faithfulness and not letting me run away, but to really keep me close to Him, even when I didn't understand some things that were going on, and to just build my character in the process and mold me into what He wanted me to be. So I love my relationship with Him, and I'm thankful for the growth that has happened since that eight-year-old time. Amen. I love that account of how you came to know the Lord, because I think so many of us, and perhaps especially women, you know, we're taught just in the natural. We're taught to be good. We're taught to be quiet. Mm -hmm. We're taught to just be a good girl. And I think many young women grow up feeling that way or feeling that almost natural pressure. And so Mm -hmm. we attribute that to, if I'm good, then X. And that formula does not work in life, right? We know that there will be difficult situations. There will be tough times, regardless of how, quote unquote, good we are just on our own natural behavior. And the gift that comes from God through his son, Jesus Christ, is just an amazing gift. And it's an amazing reminder to hear you talk about it, because I think as adults, we tend to forget about the goodness of his grace and his his amazing grace. You know, that song, I mean, I think it touches everybody's heart Mm -hmm. when you think about amazing grace. But when we are so busy with our day-to-day lives, sometimes I think we forget about how wonderful his amazing grace is. So let's kind of talk about your journey with spiritual authenticity. Let's first, I'd love to hear what you feel spiritual authenticity means, because I think it's different for every person. And and I'd love to hear what you think about it. Okay, sure. Well, you mentioned that I have an engineering background. So I'm definitely a numbers person, a math person. And when I first heard the word, you know, the term spiritual authenticity, it made me think of the word integrity, which I really like because it comes from the word integer, um, which means a whole number. So, you know, one, two, three, four, five are all integers, there's no decimals, there's no fractions, they're they're whole numbers. So integrity is being a whole person, being someone who is the same person in different situations, different environments. And for someone who is a believer, that is spiritual authenticity to me because I'm the same person, I'm the same follower of Jesus, whether I'm in different situations or environments or challenges with different people, I want to be the same person. And the, I think the other thing is that it, it doesn't put God in 
a Sunday block. So, you know, I think one of the challenges of, of living in the South where I live is that there are so many churches and so many people who go to church. And so it's tempting to go to church on a Sunday as a cultural thing and then kind of leave God there in the church box and then go to work for the rest of the week and not really see how, you know, how God and work go together. Like, what does it look like to, to be the same person? Um, to have that same relationship with God, whether I'm in the church environment or my work environment or my home environment. That is what spiritual authenticity would look like to me. I love that. And I'm so not a math person. (laughs) 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 So I would have never correlated it to a whole number or an integer, but I love that perspective. And I also love what you're saying about how for some of us, church is a cultural thing. You and I both Mm -hmm. live in the South. You're in Louisiana. I'm in Texas. And I think for many people in the South, it is rather cultural to just go to church. It's not a foreign concept to ask someone that you meet in the South, oh, where do you go to church? After you meet them, you know what I mean? That's, that would not be considered rude. I don't think in the South. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious especially for those who it's just sort of normal to go to church. I mean, obviously there's some people who are strong believers or feel like they have a strong relationship with the Lord, but maybe they don't go to church consistently. I'd love for you to maybe speak to those who it is normal. It is just a part of what you do every week, go to church. What do you think is the motivation? What's the benefit of bringing the Lord out of the Sunday box? Oh, wow. I think for me, it brings a real strong, trustworthy, dependable foundation for the rest of my life. And, you know, it's where my identity is rooted in God all week long. And, you know, the world, I think, can shift and change, but we know that God does not change. And so we can trust him to be the same. You know, if I feel in my own human strength that I'm weak in something, I know that God is strong. And if I don't understand something, I know that God is wise and understands it. Um, So it really, to me, it grounds me to be a rooted, you know, grounded whole person by not having only a piece of God for a piece of my life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thank you for that. That's really good. Now, I think, you know, those benefits sound great when we're talking about it one-on-one with each other, fellow believers, right? But in the workplace, or if you're a business owner interacting with clients or customers, it may seem challenging to be spiritually authentic in your career. How Can you talk to maybe some of the challenges of being spiritually authentic? Sure. I think the first, the first thing that's challenging to me is, is just knowing sometimes what it's supposed to look like. So, so I know that I want to bring God into my work and my decisions and my attitudes, but I don't always know what exactly that looks like. I really love reading the Bible and I love applying different scripture, different verses to life. But sometimes that is a challenge to find a verse that speaks to a certain situation. And so some examples for me have been, you know, in my job, I'm managing a team member who just seems frustrated and discouraged. Well, there's not, you know, I can't just go to my Bible concordance and look up 
frustrated employee. Uh, there's not going to be a verse speaking exactly to that. So it takes a little effort and, and a relationship with God and prayer to, to search for specific guidance through scripture. You know, you talked about how my career has been curvy. And so there have been times when, you know, I feel like I might need to make a change, but I'm not sure. I don't want to give up on something just because it's hard, but also I want to move if it's time to move. So in that situation too, you know, just looking for guidance from God on on what it looks like to to follow him. I think another challenge that I've seen is is really just having faith that God has me in his hand. He has my work in his hands. He has my career in his hands. You know, I mean I talked about how I'm involved in professional organizations like the Society of Women Engineers and you know, a lot of times I'll go to those meetings and hear speakers talk a lot about managing our own careers and setting goals and reaching them and fighting for ourselves. And and then I go to church on Sunday and I hear, trust God, humble yourself before God and let God lift you up. Um, and so there's a tension there for me a lot of times. And what does it look like to have faith in God, but also be a, a wise business person? And, you know, as an entrepreneur, a wise entrepreneur to to market and and fight for what I'm trying to do while at the same time having faith in God. I am so glad you said that because I can totally relate, especially to what you're talking about in terms of you go to conferences, professional development conferences, and don't let it be like a women's leadership conference because then you really, really hear it. Mm-hmm. But it, But it's like so much reliance on self. Mm-hmm. That's that's the message that we hear from the world. And mm-hmm. as it relates to leadership and career growth or business ownership, almost all of the messages are very secular. They are very much rely on yourself, do what you're passionate about, make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I actually think I've overheard someone say this. I don't know if it was on TV or, or perhaps a, a someone that I was interacting with professionally, but I heard someone say, oh, this is the year of the woman. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of women's empowerment movements happening, especially with, you know, hashtag me too and everything. And Mm -hmm. I'm not in any way, shape, form or fashion devaluing that women should be viewed equally in terms of career opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. But I just think that there can be a real struggle for women who are believers to figure out how we align our faith into our careers, especially when there are challenges being a woman Mm -hmm. and getting ahead, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I can, I totally appreciate what you're saying about that. There's this tension. I want to walk by faith, but I'm also a woman dealing with some very real obstacles, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm supposed to trust the Lord for all of my obstacles, regardless of if I'm a male or a female, black, white, yellow, purple, green, whatever that yeah. is. Thank you for sharing that and and really, yeah. really speaking truth, you know, bringing it to light, because I think I have personally sat at conferences where I've spent a lot of money to attend and mm-hmm. I'm listening to a speaker who is giving great insight, but there's a part of me on the inside internally, that's really struggling with the message. So thank you for bringing that to light because I'm sure there are other women who are believers who feel that way. Go ahead. No, that's, I I agree. And I feel like, like I'll sit and and hear something and think to myself and feel in my spirit, like, okay, that's not 
why right connected to what I believe. But I think there is a balance because whenever we see things that are not fair, I mean, there are examples in the Bible of people who fight in situations that are unfair, who really fight for other people, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what God has shown me in, in my journey is that he's kind of given me the okay a little more in my heart to fight for someone else who I feel has been treated unfairly. Whenever it's myself who's been treated unfairly, I still struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if I feel like I've been treated unfairly, I'm not so sure. That's where I really need insight from God and, and from other people. But but I do feel like when we see it around us, God would call us to, to step in when, when we do have some level of authority mm-hmm. um, to, to fight for other people. So. Yeah, I think, you know, that self-advocacy piece is difficult just in general, I think, mm-hmm. especially for women. Women are not the best self-advocates, typically. Some are, and that's great if you are, but mm-hmm. through the work that I've done, through coaching and, and just, you know, in leadership roles and human resources, I do see that women struggle with being self-advocates. And I also love what you're saying about how, you know, there are biblical examples of how God has required individuals to speak up when others are treated unfairly. And it reminds me of Billy Graham. So at the time that you and I are recording this, you know, Billy Graham passed away a couple of weeks ago. And I was kind of emotional about him passing because I remember watching his crusades on TV when I was growing up. And I know he's, he's my grandmother's favorite preacher. Mm -hmm. And they're actually, they were born in the same year. So my grandmother turns 100 this year. Wow. Yes. Such a blessing. Billy Graham would have turned 100 this year. So it was just kind of, it was very personal, but I was watching a TV special about his life, and I'm sorry, I know this is totally off, quote unquote, the subject, but I think it's related. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching like a documentary that was honoring his life, and there were things that he did that I was unaware of because obviously I was, you mm-hmm. know, very young at the time, but, you know, he spoke up about segregation and he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't preach at segregated crowds in the South. He spoke up about apartheid. He spoke out, spoke up about mm-hmm. op- oppression in European countries. And he talked about it from the point of view of God's love, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's just sometimes we forget about it, especially, I hate to say it, but in this political climate, there's a lot of hate in this world. There's a lot of fear mm-hmm. in this world. And I think as believers, we're probably not doing as good of a job as we could in speaking truth to power and declaring mm-hmm. the love of God. And that there are two main commandments. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, mind, body, spirit. And number two, mm-hmm. to love your neighbors as yourself. Yeah. So Yeah, that's powerful and challenging, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not easy and not popular, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, Billy Graham at the time, he, he got some flack for speaking out mm-hmm. against segregation. And it's difficult as Christians to truly be the salt and light in the workplace. Mm-hmm. As well as to be the salt and light during social issues that are really difficult right now. So I don't know. I know I kind of went off on a tangent, but 
thank you for bearing with me on that one. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, and you're right. Definitely. So let's kind of talk about that journey of integrating your faith into your career, aligning it with what you think your Mm -hmm. purpose is. Earlier, we've kind of alluded to it a couple of times now that for you, it's been a curvy path. And I think it is for all of us. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of shed a little bit more light on your journey? So my career started uh, with engineering. So I went to college, got an engineering degree. And around the time that I graduated, I was really having kind of this, I guess, identity crisis and purpose crisis. I did not feel at that time that that engineering had enough purpose. You know, I wanted a career that helped people directly and that, you know, had that kind of touchy-feely vibe to it, um, had a ministry component, and I just did not see that in engineering. And so I immediately enrolled in graduate school and got a master's in education and spent a few years after that in the field of education, which did have that fulfilling thing that I was looking for of, you know, directly helping people. And every day I met with students who I knew that the time that I spent with them was helpful and, you know, I was making a difference in their lives and and it felt good. And I would say that that was kind of a dream job for me. But over maybe three or four years, I really poured a lot of myself into it and got burnt out. And so that that time was a time of um, kind of disappointment and and really deep, again, kind of an identity process. And, and I've listened to one of your podcasts where one of the women shared about uh, her advice to not make any dream job an idol. Um, and that really resonated with me because you know that something's an idol when it's taken away and it really devastates you. And so just, you know, the whole process of getting burnt out and having to change my job out out of this thing that I thought was a dream job uh, really taught me a lot. Then I decided to try engineering again. um, And I did it really with kind of more of an attitude of that there is purpose in it. You know, whereas the first time I tried to do it, I did not see the purpose in it. But I read a book called Every Good Endeavor. It's by Tim Keller. Um, And it just talks about God and work. And no matter what type of work each of us is involved in, how just work itself is something that God created. He created it in the Garden of Eden before sin happened and before the fall happened. And so it's not something that was just brought about by sin, but it's something that God created as a good thing. So how we can honor him, no matter the work we do and how we are like him in doing work. And so I started to see more of, you know, as an engineer, I'm like God because I can be creative and solve problems. Uh, we know that God was is, is an amazing creator. Um, and so we get to kind of walk in his steps when we create and solve problems and then also that he brought order to creation so he you know separated the land and the sea and you know he separated animals and you know birds and fish and so as engineers we also bring order to some chaotic natural things and then just in in the way that we serve people so in whatever job we have we're serving someone it's maybe a customer, it may be a supervisor, it may be our teammate in education, it's students, in engineering, it can be the general public. And so just seeing work as something that is godly. And so I did see, I started to see more and more of purpose in engineering work. And then also 
God just used it a lot to grow me and mold me and teach me some things. And just in the last couple months, I've started looking more to move again um, back into education. And so I'm starting to take some graduate classes, which is curvy and different again, because it's been a long time since I've been a graduate student. So walking into that student life again and pursuing teaching in the future. So curving kind of back and forth between education and engineering, but really able to see purpose and godliness and service in both both fields. Wow, that's that's beautiful. And I know you also started a, a business along that path as well. Can you share a little bit more about that? I did, yes. Um, so, so the business is focused on uh, grant writing and project management. So in my work, both in engineering and in education, I've I've had a chance to work on some grant-funded projects from some pretty big federally-funded grants, and I have learned a lot of lessons along the way and also have that project management background where I believe that it's very important to spend grant money wisely and to make sure that we accomplish the goals that were meant for the projects, especially when it's taxpayer money we're looking at using. So that's the the company that I started just even consulting on on project specific grants, um, and, and I definitely see purpose in that too because that allows me to help people in my community that you know I've worked with as my clients and help them to get resources to do the things that God has put in in our heart for our community, and then also it's given me some flexibility in my own life to pursue the purposes that I feel like God's given me outside of work as well. Um, so. I definitely see purpose in, in that venture. Yeah, that's really good. So let's talk a little bit more about purpose. I know for me, that's been a question on my mind a lot. I didn't always vocalize the concern or the question. It was, it was internal for a really long time. But purpose was always really important to me of why am I here? I, you know, I believe that every person mm-hmm. has a purpose. And it may not always be some big public figure who, you know, saves the lives of an entire community. There are, I believe purpose can have small and large, quote unquote, small and large levels of impact. And it's really not about the size of the impact. It's just really about walking in your purpose. And so I'm curious where you are in that process. I personally feel like, you know, you're never really done. You're always evolving, but I'm curious what you, how you view your purpose or your calling. Yeah. I appreciate appreciate what you just said about you're never really done. And I agree with that. So I think at one time in my life, I might've set, you know, one specific purpose that I thought God was calling me to and really like set my mind on that one thing. And then as I've discussed that thing, was there for a season, but then changed. And so right now I feel, as of right now, and this might change the older I get, but I don't feel there's one thing, one big thing that God has put on my heart or called me to as my call, like my life calling. I feel like he brings about seasons and gives me a calling and a purpose in each season. Um, And that's really helped me to be content a lot more in each season. And there's another book that I read called Captivating, and it's, it's written for uh, Christian women. And there was just a, a sentence in there that struck out at me so much 
and it just said, be here now. And so no matter where I am, you know, what season of life I'm in, what career path or what job I'm in at the time, I want to be there and I want to serve God there and learn what he's trying to teach me there. And, you know, maybe in 20 years, I'll have a more clear end goal kind of calling. Like, I don't know, we talked about Billy Graham. I don't know what he would have said his calling was 50 years ago. Did he know for sure, like, what all he would accomplish? Mm. Um, Or was he just following God step by step? That's really good. I love that quote, be here now. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> that's really calming. Like, yeah. It is calming, but for me, I will confess, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm always thinking ahead, or my tendency is to think ahead. Okay, so mm-hmm. a, month, a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, what should I be doing? What is that going to look like? And so. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's wrong either. Like, I there's got to be a balance in there somewhere because I I do feel like God wants us to be intentional about, Mm -hmm. especially in the places where we are leaders, you know, what are the strategic goals? If, you know, if we have kids, what do we want for our family? What's kind of our mission as a family? Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's wrong to plan. And I think my husband and I have these discussions a lot because I'm a planner and he's not. And we both bring, (laughs) but, Exactly. So we we both bring strengths to the table that I think God's given each of us. But I'm always going to be the one to advocate for planning, and mm-hmm. He's always going to be the one to advocate for like following God in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think God can lead us in both ways. But but yeah, that be here now quote is is helpful for me. He was a he was a planner. <laughs> <laughs> I that's really good. Um, there's a book that comes to mind right now, and the one actually I'll provide links to both books in the show notes. So you mentioned every good endeavor by Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. I'll also mm-hmm. provide a link to captivating. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the author of that book or not. Yeah, that one's um, Stacy Eldridge. Oh, okay, great. So I'll be sure to include links to that. There's another book that's coming to mind right now and it's called calm, calm my anxious heart. I don't remember the author, but I'll be sure to include it in the show notes. And if there's anyone out there who is kind of freaking out with the whole quote of be here now, like if that feels really impossible to you Mm -hmm. with where you are right now, I would encourage you to read Calm My Anxious Heart. It's definitely written for women and it's really all based on that verse of be anxious for nothing. So just want to share that as well. Yeah, I'll have to look that one up. That one sounds good. It is really good. I'll be honest, it was a little hard to read. I was in a season of anxiousness. And so Mm -hmm. um, it can, there are some amazing stories in there. She she shares the paths of different women who walked through some really difficult seasons and just had to learn how to rest in the Lord, despite what was happening around them and in their lives. So Mm -hmm. it's a really good read. So you mentioned your hubby, and I know that he's from Mm -hmm. Uganda as well, and I know you both love to travel. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier something about how spending time in Uganda really had an impact on you. Can you share that? Yeah, sure. So uh, this past summer, we spent most of the summer in Uganda, so it's in East Africa, um, and we were in the city that 
have spent time like out in the village also. And it really impacted me, especially this time, because this is the longest time I had been there, you know, all at once, basically living there for the summer. And I love their culture. Um, I appreciate my husband and his family so much. And just the culture that I was able to experience there is, is really beautiful. And, you know, when we think about purpose and, you know, kind of the big questions of life, the way that I just observed people live in Uganda was so, I would say, simple compared to what I see in the U.S. The food is locally grown. It's fresh. It's simple. It's not processed. People's daily lives are not so busy and packed, full of stuff. Um, and I'm sure there's there's people who are busy there, and there's people here who eat healthy food. But just in general, I can see a, a difference culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just helped me to kind of to calm down and not not plan so much, not feel like I need stuff so much in my life. Um, it made me want to come home to my house and clean out some things that I don't use a lot. It made me want to simplify the way that I eat and the way that I interact with people and the way that I work. Like it just made a really big difference. And 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 I will say to you, one of my pet peeves is now whenever I see things on TV or on the internet about Uganda or about Africa that just seems so devastating and poverty and the kind of the bad pictures that you see is just so much more than that and it's so much more beautiful than those pictures that we see on TV and so I guess that's one thing that I love about traveling whether it's there or whether it's other places that we're able to go just to see the way people live and to to learn from those ways of life and bring back some of that beauty with us. That's awesome. Uh, That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to wrap up in just a second. And um, if there's any sort of closing remarks or comments you want to make, feel free to share that in just a moment. But before we get ready to close out in prayer, I just want to let you know that I appreciate you and I appreciate you sharing your heart today. Such a beautiful story. And I just love how God connects us. And if we just let him do his thing, we can really uncover some amazing opportunities. So thank you again, Alicia, Mm -hmm. for being here today. Yeah, thank you too. And and I guess my only closing thought is that I appreciate this podcast so much because I like to hear from you and from the, the other guests that you have, just all of our journeys and all of, I guess, the camaraderie that I feel with other women who are pursuing God and and pursuing a cubicle life also, you know, work, work and got together. And so thank you for bringing people together like that. Oh, thank you. I love it. I'm so glad you said the word camaraderie because my goal, my heart's desire, and it's totally up to the Lord. We will see what he does, but my hope and desire is that women do feel a sense of community through cubicles in Christ. And I think there is power in hearing each other's stories And I think actually one of my earlier guests talked about that, that she actually enjoys reading autobiographies because she likes to hear the journey that people took to get to wherever they end up. And so I see Cubicles in Christ sort of being that way from a spiritual perspective and a career and life wellness thriving standpoint. And Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful about what God will do, but I'm glad that for now through this podcast, it's 
you know, I'm hearing from so many people that the show has been helpful and I'm thankful for that. So thank you for sharing that. Yep, sure. Absolutely. And also just another quick reminder that I do love hearing from all of you. So feel free to send me a note, drop me a line. would love to hear your thoughts about the show or if you have any future show topics. Let's get ready to pray. All right. Father God, just with a joyful heart, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence today and to have so many different sisters in Christ all around the world. Lord, thank you for uniting us. Thank you for nudging us to draw closer to you in every area of our life, work, family, our health, relationships, and of course, just drawing us closer to you. Lord, you are the ultimate prize, and we just thank you for the gift of grace. We thank you for the gift of the gifts and talents that you've given us to use in the world, to use for your purpose. Lord, we thank you that all things work together for our good because we love you and we are called according to your purpose. So now, Lord, we ask you to show us, reveal to us how you want to use us in this world. Lord, help us to be the salt and light. Empower us. Give us the courage, Lord. Help us to not be fearful. Your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we thank you for love. We thank you for power. We thank you for soundness of mind. Will you please grant it to every person listening now? In Jesus' name, we pray, we thank you, and we love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for joining this episode of Cubicles in Christ. Be sure to visit Be Well My Soul. for fresh biblical inspiration and practical ideas to thrive in life. May you grow in peace, love, and soul prosperity.